Hey, everybody, you're about to listen to our brand new podcast, Nightmare Neighbors. And if you like it, please do me a favor. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. In exchange for that, I'm going to put you into a drawing for a $250 Amazon gift certificate, gift card, whatever you want to call it, gift credit, whatever it is these days. Anyway, uh, all you have to do is leave that review on uh, Apple Podcasts, send me the screenshot, send it to Tony at NightmareNeighbors.com, and then shortly I'll be picking one person at random and sending you that uh, Amazon gift card for $250. Yes, just leave the review, Apple Podcasts, that's what helps spread the word that this show exists, that people know about it. Those reviews are tremendously helpful in us getting this show off the ground, so if you like it, uh, please leave us that review on Apple Podcasts. Send me the screenshot to Tony, T-O-N-Y, at NightmareNeighbors.com, and you'll be in the drawing for that Amazon gift card. I hope you like the show. I hope you can take the 30 seconds to leave the review, and I'll get yourself in that drawing for that uh, gift certificate. Now, without further ado, Nightmare Neighbors, everybody. Did a child's deceased pet make a return appearance when they needed it most? That's the question we're asking on today's special kid-friendly edition with Harper of Real Ghost Stories Online. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That it is. 855-853-4802 is our phone number, or you can write it on our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you want even more of our show, you want all of the EPP bonus episodes, more than 300 of them, get advanced access to our episodes as we create them weeks in advance of their normal release. Become an extra podcast person. That's an EPP. Just go to ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories to sign up. Five bucks a month gets you access to all of the bonus material, uh, as well as advanced episodes of the show, our ebook, our audiobook. It is all there for you. It keeps our program on the air. Without your support, we would not exist. So thank you in advance for that support because we uh, we can't do the show uh, without you. It is my real job. It is indeed what I do, correct? Every single day you see me here doing this. Yep. Yep. You can't you can't just nod in in uh, in podcasting. You have to uh, to talk. Yeah. So yeah, every day I'm uh, I'm down here working on the show uh, and or these shows and uh, and doing all that. Harper uh, Bruski joining us in today's episode of uh, Real Ghost Stories Online. Welcome to the program. Hi. And how are you this fine day? I'm doing good. I'm really excited to get into all these stories. I am too. I'm uh, I'm I'm excited to have you back on the show. Uh, we had a lot of people go and uh, ask, uh, you know, is is Harper back? Uh, is Harper coming back for another episode? And uh, sure enough, definitely, uh, we're going to try and do this as as weekly as possible. So um, I'm excited. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to have you in here. Uh, wait till you have your own kids and uh, you start doing a podcast with them. You know, if that's what they want to do. I mean, yeah. the, the fact that this is what you want to do, I find pretty amazing. But I guess it's kind of in your blood because I was I was doing a version of this at two, uh, except so, you know, it, it's been going on for quite a while. So, yeah, uh, I, what I'm excited about uh, this time of year right now is um, well, this this is uh, it's it's June, but we're starting to inch into the summer months. We're starting to inch uh, into 
after the summer months. And and this is an interesting thing. And I don't know how it's going to be this year uh, because it's something that we're not able to do a whole heck of a lot of right now. And that's going to stores. Um, but around uh, late next month is typically when you start to see the stores start to put their Halloween stuff out. And I know you you normally enjoy that. I love it. But what are we, you know, this year, I, I'm really wondering how that's all going to look and what's going to go on with it. Just because a lot of their, the factories and stuff and the chain of, of this getting made and that getting made and that getting to this store and that getting that to that store. Are they going to have a lot of stuff this year? I mean, we don't even really go into many stores anymore other than me running in to get groceries or something if we need it. So I don't know how all this is going to work uh, in terms of Halloween stuff for fall, but I, I am excited because it's getting closer and I'm excited because we already do have a lot of decorations uh, in our garage. Honestly, the scariest thing that I could think of for a Halloween costume would be a COVID swab. <laughs> So somebody dressed as the swab itself? Yes. And just going around and saying trick or treat? <laughs> I guess that would be pretty, that would be horrific because, so would the swab be one that's already been used to test somebody so it has it on it? Or is it just like, I'm coming to test you type swab? Well, which was scarier? I'm not really sure which is uh, scarier, but um, that's, uh, there you go. That's uh, that's my daughter, everyone. Uh, <laughs> this is life around our house. Uh, it's 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 just kind of one thing after another. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us, or you can write in at uh, realghoststoriesonline dot com. Should we jump into our first uh, ghost story of the day? Well, before we do that, I want to um, go ahead and. Yet again, thank you for your support. That's very nice of you. Yes, thank you for your support. Uh, if you are supporting the program and, uh, and being an EPP, uh, that's what allows us to eat, really. So, yeah. Uh, so, yes, thank you. Uh, thank you very, very much uh, for all of that. Let's uh, go to our first story. It says, this experience started two days before the actual event I'm going to relate to you. It starts the night I took the math placement test for my college in January of 2006. Upon getting my results, I naturally called my mother and father in Texas. I live with friends in California, friends who I've come to regard as surrogate family. So I refer to sisters when I biologically have none and make a point of difference between my Texas mom and dad, the biological ones, and my Cali mom and dad, just for reference, to give them the good news. So they sounded upset when they answered the phone, but my Texas mom is a bit of a hypochondriac, and I figured she just thought of something else that could be wrong with her. So I didn't ask why they were upset. I passed on my information, uh, bathed in their congratulations, and got off the phone. As I was getting off the phone, I heard my Texas dad in the background of the call say, did you want to tell her? But by then, my mom was hanging up. Now, while I had been in a uh, testing center and all that day beforehand, I had felt awful. I chalked it up to nerves and taking my first standardized test, the GED aside, since first grade. I was homeschooled from second grade on. I felt better after passing, but during the entire next day, I felt sick again. Just knowing what I know now, I could call it sick with grief, but then I thought I was getting the flu, stomach, cramps, nausea, headache, and depression. Before I go any further with my story, I feel the need to explain that I just moved 
from my Texas parents' house in September of 2005, and I've been back in December for a week to visit. During that time, 10-year-old Smokey did not stray from my side. She slept on my bed and followed me everywhere. She had always been a follow cat, but I knew something was different this time. I think we both knew that this visit would be the last time I would see her. I worked hard to try and be able to bring her with me, but the vet would not give her a clearance to fly. At under 12 pounds in her age, she was too old and too small to fly, and there was no way I could drive with her. In her whole life, on top of everything else, she had never left the little apartment I had shared with my parents. I raised her from a tiny kitten in that house. The last night I was there during the visit, she slept on my bed right next to my head, and as I went to sleep, I was petting her and remembered whispering, I'll be back to visit soon. Don't go anywhere, baby. And I know she did not want to, but what I found out almost exactly a month later, fast forward to me back in California the day after my test at sunset, remembering my father's words and having been feeling crappy all day, I called my Texas mom again. This time, the first thing she asked was if I wanted to hear bad news then, or if I wanted to wait until after the weekend. It was a Friday night. The hair stood up on the back of my neck, and I felt my face flush. Whatever she was about to tell me, it was the reason I had been sick for two days. On the morning of the day of my test, Smokey had followed my mother into the bathroom with something hanging off her back end. My parents were shocked and horrified to find that she had a... Uh, prolapsed colon, which is basically when the last bit of your intestines turns inside out and comes out of you when you poop too hard. Smokey was too old and too small for the surgery. It would have killed her, and my parents couldn't afford it anyway. So the afternoon while I was taking my test, they had her put to sleep after a day of sad goodbyes and cuddling. What gets to me about this is that they left her body at the SPCA for disposal. If they had called me that morning, I would have wired them the money to have her cremated and the ashes returned, but there's nothing I can do. But my parents tried to shield me from the sad truth of my cat's death. I got off the phone in a daze. I was sitting on the couch on our back porch in California. I think I was crying. I know I did not really break down until after I got off the phone. And my my California mom came back to the back porch to throw something in the recycling bin and found me crying. I do not remember how I told her or my sister what had happened, but I know I did. I have completely lost the next hour. I do not remember anything. I think I was in shock. I know my California mom decided to make fudge to try and help me feel better, and my sister was sitting sitting with me and holding me. When I finally managed to stop crying, my sister invited me to go out front with her for some fresh air, and I nodded. We went out on the front porch, and I was miserable, obviously. I could not concentrate enough to talk, so I just was looking up at the stairs while my sister rubbed my back and tried to keep from crying again. I was so upset. What if Smokey thought I had abandoned her? What if she was mad at me for leaving, for not taking her with me? All I could think of were things I had done wrong. Then suddenly, I saw it. It was the only soothing star that I had ever seen, and it seemed to fizzle out directly over the house. And as it shot toward me, I suddenly found myself flooded by memories of Smokey so clear it was as if I was watching a movie on the screen in my mind and I couldn't even see the front yard anymore. Just the memories. I saw her as a kitten, small enough to fit in my hand the day she crawled up onto our porch following an outside cat we'd been feeding. I saw the time she had ripped all the garland off our Christmas tree and had strung it around the house. I saw so many scenes, they were all blurred together and ended with that last night in her sleeping inches from my nose. To my sister, I stood frozen for only a few seconds, but I swear I had relived the ten years of my baby's life in those few seconds, and somehow 
I knew that the star had been Smokey coming home to me. She said goodbye and somehow I knew that she was not mad for anything. To make more of a point, many times since that night I've seen Smokey among our resident ghost cats. The star really was her. She's home where she belongs with me forever. To the stars, Smokey. To the stars. That's kind of a sad story. It is a sad story. I mean, it's sad, but it's it's happy at the same time because she has that moment of, you know, worrying and wondering what were the cat's last thoughts about her, you know? But then at the very end, then she ends up discovering that Smokey is still there and still, you know, around as a ghost cat, you know, showing up and, and showing herself to her, which is kind of neat. It's kind of like what Scruffles did with my parents. Wow. Scruffles would uh, sometimes uh, show up, or not really show up, but you could hear her. You could hear her claws moving around on the ground. Did we talk about that on our last episode? Yes, yes, we did. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, it's interesting because I think ghost pets are definitely a thing. Yeah. What do you think about the giant cow bone that uh, Sting found in the backyard? <laughs> I was trying to get away. I was trying to, like, throw it, well, throw it out to where Sting couldn't get it because mm-hmm. it dropped, because Sting dropped it on my foot and it, like, really hurt. Oh, so you're trying to get back at him and toss it? <laughs> yeah. Sting can probably get to anything. The first time I saw that bone, I was I was trying to convince mom that there was like a body that was found in the backyard. But it, it's like a cow femur or something. So it's larger than any person yeah. you know, would be. But it is a creepily large bone. But he seems to love it. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. Let's go to our next one. It says, I had ruled out the possibility of ghosts when I was younger. But when I grew up, same events have been happening for the past eight years in my life. I then became a believer, started to realize the presence of ghosts, spirits, and some energy in my life. Some background information is needed to fully understand the haunting in my life. I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania, close to Allentown. I lived in a normal-sized townhouse with my parents and two siblings and our pet dog, Abby. My grandparents on my mom's side owned a farm about 15 minutes away from our house, and we go there often to uh, visit uh, uh, name uh, to visit different people and uh, pop pop. My uh, the farm was a great place for me as a kid growing up. I could go outside and find stuff to do all day when I had an imagination. Many times over the summer, we'd spend the day out in the barns playing. There were three barns total on the farm. One was home to the twenty some pigs and one thousand plus chickens. The other for equipment and the herd of cattle and three horses. The last was devoted to hay storage for all the animals. My cousins, siblings, and I spent time shelling cobs of corn for the chickens and feeding the cows hay off the barn floor and giving oats and sugar cubes to the horses. After getting bored and feeding the animals, we would play in the hay barn, jumping from the top of the stack into the soft pile of hay below. We also made hay forts or houses out of the hay bales. We'd like play house and such, and the farm dog Holly would always be out there with us. Occasionally, our pop-pop would come out and check on us. We often got yelled at for making the walls of our forts higher than our heads because he did not want us to get hurt. He always had us in mind. And then an unfortunate event happened when I was in the fourth grade. I got taken out of school to learn that my pop-pop had died in a barn fire. He was trying to save some possessions that were in the hay barn while it was burning. 
and the trusses of the pole barn burnt through and collapsed him, not allowing him to escape. This was a huge turning point in my life because there was a, a farm that had to be attended to, and my grandfather, who did it for a living, was no longer around. My dad stepped in and took care of the chores two hours before work every morning and two hours after work, adding to his already labor-intensive eight-hour shift as a maintenance worker at a local area hospital. Slowly, changes came about the farm, taking care of 1,000-plus chickens, and to clean that many eggs a day were a huge commitment, so they were the first thing to be sold. We kept about 50 chickens to sustain the family's need for eggs. The pigs were soon sold to the market and some butchered for meat in the freezer, the horses and cows stayed because they are not as labor-intensive. For 20 years, every morning and night, my dad fed the animals and took care of the operations of a working farm. It was getting too hard not to live on the farm in case of emergencies with the animals. Too many calls in the middle of the night where the cows got under the road are not good. So in the summer of fifth grade, we packed up our townhouse and moved to the farm. My siblings and I entered a new school at the end of August and fit in well with the new environment. Now living on the farm, everyone had chores greater than mowing the lawn and taking the garbage to the curb. Every morning, there were animals for each of us to feed before we went to school. Also in the winter months, each of us had to bring in a load of wood for the furnace to heat the house. I started to become accustomed to waking up at 5.30 to do chores before school. The farm life was getting to become natural to me. Being the only boy in the family, I had a job with all the heavy lifting, which was transporting hay bales from the newly constructed hay barn to the cow barn, where the horses also had their stalls. Every day I'd load up a wagon with six bales and made four trips to feed all the steers, cows, and horses. Unstacking hay bales was a chore done twice a day. I became proficient at climbing the stack and throwing bales off the top as not to create a deadly avalanche of 60-pound hay bales. Every time I was done th throwing down hay, I made sure it was safe to climb down the transport the bales and that it would be safe the next morning to climb back up there. Several times I would notice that only one bale was out of place off the top of the pile. I thought nothing of it and picked it up and thought of it as one less I had to throw down. One day... I was feeding animals early in the afternoon because I had, in a way, sporting event in which I would not be home until late. As I opened the doors of the barn, I heard a muffled voice. I looked around and saw nothing. While I continued moving the hay, I kept hearing the same sound. I still disregarded it and thought it was just in my head. A couple of weeks had gone by and I continued seeing misplaced bales, out, misplaced bales but had not heard the strange noise. Then on a Friday, I had the day off of school. I fed the animals later in the morning. After opening the doors to the barn, I heard the same noise that I did a couple of weeks ago, and I felt some strong energy. The hair on my arms and legs stood on end. I was freaked out, but continued with my chores. I had not done any encounters with this energy, or whatever it was, for the next several years. My chore was still feeding the cows and horses, but now we had large round bales. They were easier to make over the summertime, easier to store, and easier to feed. So naturally, we thought new equipment to handle each. We got new equipment to handle each of these larger bales. Each round bale weighed about a half ton and would feed a herd for the day. So I only had to feed once a day now, which was a great time saver. Not to mention, I could use a tractor. Now, with the large round bales, I also noticed that some were being knocked off the top of the stack. This is extremely dangerous because 1,000 pounds is falling from about 15 feet. 
I never witnessed a bale being knocked over, but even bales set upright on the ground would be knocked over the next day, which was very suspicious. Considering that these bales are not movable by a person, it would take a large group effort to put the bale on its side. On a Saturday morning in mid-September, I went out to feed and got the same feeling I had several years ago and heard that same noise again. This time I knew it was no joke. I turned off the tractor, ran inside for a camera. I took several pictures of the barn, consistently came up with a bleached out spot in a shot on the digital camera. Once I did not feel the presence of that energy, I took several photos again and nothing was wrong with the photos. To this day, I cannot explain what had happened, but I think that's part of the spirit or energy of my pop-pop who died in the same place where the new barn was constructed today. What do you think? Well, I'm continuing that has been like years and years that has been going on. Um, I never knew... Like, was Pop-Pop like an animal? Or? Yeah, Pop-Pop was, his, was the grandfather. Oh. The grandfather ran the farm. And then when he died in the barn fire, um, then the son, this the this writer, their dad took it over. Oh. So that's the perspective of what happened. So what he was getting at is that he believes Pop-Pop was in the barn moving the hay bales around. And making that noise that he couldn't understand or explain. Just to kind of let him know that he was still around and trying to be part of the farm from the other side. Oh. So, had you had any idea that hay bales were that heavy? No. Because we just had, you got your picture taken on one a couple weeks ago in our backyard. Because they had uh, done some big baling out there. And uh, yeah, they're insanely heavy. When I was a kid, I went to... um, uh, I, I didn't have a whole lot of experience on a farm, but my grandparents, my great-grandparents, um, I never met them. These are my dad's parents. They had died before I was born, um, but they had a farm. And uh, the farm stayed in the family until I was about your age. Um, and they had let other people rent the farm and live there and use it and whatnot. And then at some point, uh, those people didn't want to rent it anymore, and my my family, uh, my dad's brothers and sisters, didn't want to to really deal with it anymore either. They wanted to just sell the land and let somebody else kind of take it over. So I remember spending uh, my birthday there. I think it was like my eighth birthday, uh, helping clean up the farm. And uh, while my my parents and aunts and uncles were inside in in the house. Me and my cousins went out and we would play in on the hay bales, just like they were talking about in the story. And we would jump from hay bale to hay bale. Um, and I remember I jumped and I missed my jump and I fell. And that was a long fall. And I landed on my back, uh, you know, a whole bunch of hay, but it still really hurt. It knocked the wind out of me. You ever have the wind knocked out of you? No. That's where like you, you hit uh, yourself or you land so hard that the, all the air comes out of you really quick. And then you kind of catch your breath. It's really painful and you can't breathe for a second. And it's kind of scary. Um, but that's, I remember playing on the hay bales and that happening uh, in that house uh, or in that, that barn. But it was always an interesting house for me to walk around. Cause I, ha- I have no memories in that house because like I said, my, my grandparents uh, had died before I was born. So I never had any holidays there or seeing them there or anything like that. The only memories I had of were just walking through that house, um, 
years after they had died and I was a little kid and just knowing that this is where they lived. And it was really interesting to me to be like in that setting of these people I don't know, uh, never knew, but this is what where they were. And I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything. I didn't see their ghosts or anything like that. But it certainly felt odd in that house. Did you like feel like a, a breeze? I didn't feel a breeze, but I felt a presence. Oh, oh. I I, I felt like they were there. Um, you know, and it's hard to, to describe that because I, you know, when you know somebody in, in, in life that you spend a lot of time around them, they have a certain feel to them. You know, you just, there's a certain comfort level with people, you know, and, you know, I'm sure I have a different feeling than mom has, you know, yeah. being around and it's not a bad thing or it's just everybody has a different feel to them. But I kind of got this interesting feeling in that house of like, this must be what it would feel like to be around them kind of grandparently, but I never, never knew them, you know? Mm. So this is kind of interesting to, uh, to be in that setting. And playing on the hay was fun, too. Yeah. I did enjoy that. Uh, uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. So another letter, it says, uh, two friends and I decided to play with a Ouija board. Do you know what a Ouija board is? Let me ask you that first. A board that um, contacts the... Uh, what's the word? Paranormal. The dead? Yeah. The dead, it can contact the... Well, paranormal, you're on the right track. I would say spirits, really, to be... Because it's also referred to as a spirit board. Now, these can be spirits of people who were living once and are dead. But sometimes people get things through these boards that weren't, like, Uncle Bill or something like that. And you don't have an Uncle Bill. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, just somebody familiar um, it, it, sometimes they're, they can be very spooky things and kind of dark, scary. Uh, but sometimes they can also be very friendly. Um, but you just don't know what you're getting. And that's the thing. It's like, it's like picking up a phone and dialing a phone number. Is it going to be a nice person on the other end or a bad person on the other end? If you're just randomly putting in numbers, you don't know. And with Ouija boards, that's sometimes how it works. You may request and say, I want to talk to this person, but you don't always get that. Yeah. So that's a little understanding here uh, for, for you and for the other kids that may be listening. That's what that's all about. So uh, Ouija board cannot be on your Christmas list. I'm sorry. I don't even want a Ouija board. It's one of those items that's just on the list of things we don't buy. So, exactly. Yeah. And it actually sounds pretty creepy and scary. It is kind of scary it, of what they can do. I'll tell you a Ouija board story after this story. Uh, continuing on, it says, the first time we played with it, uh, it claimed to be my great, great aunt, whom I never met, but was told she was supposedly killed, uh, 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 th told that she supposedly killed three out of her four husbands. And after I got a bad feeling, I stopped playing. It claimed to be my friend's dad. After she had been talking to it for hours and finally tricked it into answering a question wrong, it went crazy, cussing at all of us. We put the board away and then smelled something burning. We could only smell it in the room we played in the board with. We threw the board out and the smell went away. But whatever it did not, did not leave me alone for years. It'd go away sometimes for months, but eventually whatever it was came back. I think it's gone now after moving three times and a lot of prayers and having uh, people bless my home and contacting a demonologist and follow their tips on ridding my home of it. 
got to where my husband and I were sleeping. It and something was scaring my son by whispering his name in his ear. He's still terrified to go to the back bedrooms alone. I made my son sleep together with a Bible between them. One night I woke up and saw what looked like an extremely small man in incredibly old army clothes. It did not look like a small person. I, I, it just looked like a very normal man, but around four feet tall and gray. He just looked at me, and after I blinked, he was gone. I do not know where he fits in all this, but for some reason, he did not scare me. The other thing, though, is another story. I'm not really sure my husband really believed me until he saw it. He was terrified. We were in bed, and I had been hearing it for a while now. I was so paranoid that it would do something that I made my husband sleep in the bedroom with our kids, and I would sleep in the living room. So one of us was on each end of the house. Well, I was used to seeing it walk up and down the hallway. I would catch glimpses and hear footsteps. It was so incredibly scary. One night, my husband came into the living room shaking. He asked if I was just in the bathroom. I told him I had not been, but I knew why he was asking because I had seen it too. It was excessively big from the floor to the ceiling and as wide as the hallway. It would just walk up and down the hallway all night. One day I woke up and my house felt less tense. I had reached out to the demonologist and followed their steps two days before. It had been in a hor- I had been in a horrible depression and my oldest son was sick a lot and had to go to monthly appointments at a children's hospital and a lot of local dress appointments and some visits to the emergency room. He was on a bunch of meds, but that day it seemed like everyone was happy. Later that night, my husband and I were up late watching TV and something knocked on the door. I yelled at my husband when he was, and he went to get up to answer the door and told him nothing was there and to sit back down. I had a horrible feeling and knew it was that thing. A couple of minutes later, we heard something that hit the door. We both went to the windows, which gives you a clear view of our entire porch, and sure enough, nothing was there. Only a broom that was on one side of the porch when we came in for the night that was now on the floor in front of the door. The knocking happened for three nights. I think it was trying to get to us to let it back in. Because of everything we went through, I strongly urge people to think twice before playing with a Ouija board. It's not a game. Where three teenage girls thought was a creepy game turned out to haunt me for eight years. I'll now always be paranoid. You're always wondering if you've done something to invite it back, wondering what it will do next. Once you have some huge black shadow thing for at least seven feet tall and three feet wide walking around your house at night and it's messing with your family, it's tough to relax afterward. Okay. First of all, first of all, I'm not, I'm not trying to judge. I'm just trying to give some advice. Okay. You should probably contact some ghost hunters. Contact some ghost hunters? Yeah. Well, the thing with that, you got to be careful because sometimes that's just going to stir things up more than it's going to help. Oh. So uh, the the best thing to do when you have things like that, um, you know, there really isn't like truly a best practice. But if, if you're wanting to rid yourself of it, um, that's not a bad route to take is contacting ghost hunters. But just make sure who you're contacting is reputable. And and has experience and isn't just going to be there with the goal of I want to try and capture this on tape or because there's a lot of people out there that are, are like that. That's all. They're, they're just trying to get evidence. You, you're you wanting somebody to almost go into this from a standpoint of they're accepting they're understanding there's something going on. Um, and how do we make this stop? Um, and, and so 
just dialing anybody at random is a cautionary thing because that can stir things up. But there are certainly people out there that can help. I don't know who specifically, but there are people. Yeah. Other thoughts? Just don't get a Ouija board. Yeah, just stay away from it to begin with. Yeah, I mean, I think they're on that page. It sounds like they've decided I'm not going to keep playing with this ever again. Yeah. And, or let their kid. It's just been a cautionary tale of thinking, oh, we're just teenage girls playing with this thing. And here's what ends up happening. I have a story um, that uh, my mom told me when uh, her and her sisters were younger. Uh, they were playing with a Ouija board in uh, my grandma's basement. And they asked it what uh, my aunt Holly was going to get from her boyfriend or I believe Christmas and the Ouija board because you know how it works you got everybody has their fingers on it and then it spells out things and you gotta you know spell the whatever it's spelled out and read it yeah. it's spelled out R-I-N-G ring and she got a ring now these are girls that are playing with a Ouija board just like in the story. In there, and they could be teen and they were teenagers at the time. So it's not a far guess or cry that that you could say one of them pushed the board around or the, the planchette to spell out ring. But they all swear that none of them did it and they never played with it again because they were so creeped out by how accurate it was. Yeah. So it's one of those things where once you open the board and you let whatever's in and you don't excuse me, don't close it out. Uh, because there are ways of, of ending a session of the Ouija board, but sometimes when people get really freaked out, they just like throw the board and run. And it's like opening a door and then just letting all the bugs come in. It's like, well, those bugs and then complaining about the bugs. The bugs aren't going to stop until you shut the door. And then you have to deal with whatever bugs came in. Uh, yeah. That's kind of like what uh, a Ouija board is in a way, except it's, uh, it's spirits that you're dealing with. Okay. Ouija boards are creepy. Yeah, they are. They are creepy. Cause honestly, I don't think talking to stranger ghosts that you really don't know mm -hmm. is a great idea. No, because you never really know who you're going to be talking to, do you? Exactly. It's the same thing with talking to 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 actual strangers. You're right. <laughs> it, it's it's a lot like real life, and that's something that a lot of times we don't put those properties. On to ghosts. We look at them as almost having like superpowers. You know, we hear the word supernatural and the thing sometimes we think, oh, they must have these superpowers that we don't have. I think a lot of them don't. I think a lot of them just sometimes we're able to catch glimpses of them and sometimes we're not. But I don't think a lot of them necessarily possess any sort of superpower. They're just kind of there. And they also have the same personalities and the same tendencies and the same this and that that a living person would have had. Yeah. And I think sometimes we we don't put that into the equation and we stop thinking about them as once being living people with personalities and thoughts and feelings and choices um, when they do they're but they're just over there now. Yeah. So something to think about. We actually have a month in October that me and mom named, we call it Ouija awareness month uh, where we do a lot of Ouija board stories. Um, so people understand <laughs> <laughs> exactly what goes on uh, with Ouija boards. And you'll be able to be a part of that this uh, this year when we get into October and those stories. So hope you like Ouija board stories. Should we just get you a Ouija board for your birthday? No, uh, in, no. In August and you can play with it for a little bit and then maybe come up with your own story and share on the show? 
No, if if you do, I promise I will throw it into the forest in the neighbor's backyard and let a cow eat it. <laughs> you know, the other night, uh, it's funny because they were just talking about uh, in the story of a seven foot tall, three foot wide, dark dark brown or dark black blob in their uh, their house. They didn't know what it was. That's what I saw the other night when I let the dog out uh, to go potty. I was in the backyard and looking out into the field out there in the pasture area and out in the the dusk all you have is stars that were lighting it so you could kind of see but i just saw this big blob very dark you couldn't see through it blob that was like seven feet tall and very wide and you know what it was cow neighbor's cow (laughs) neighbor's cow jumped the fence and got back out there again and was just hanging out eating grass hey you know since we now have a tire swing Mm -hmm. um since that was like the area that the cow jumped the fence, you never know. Maybe next time you'll have a cow head stuck in your tire swing. The cow's going to decide to play on the tire swing and like <laughs> go up and down in the air and, and then he gets his head stuck in there. I'd feel bad for that cow. That cow could probably pull that tire swing down if you really wanted to. But that would be funny watching a cow swinging. <laughs> Back and forth in the yard. It's like, no, that's not for you. There you go. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online Kids Edition. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you for being on here, Harper. We'll talk again uh, more next week. Uh, If you like the show, keep us on the air. Become an extra podcast person in EPP. Go to ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Five bucks a month gets you access to all of our bonus material, advanced episodes, and you're supporting the show. And really, you're supporting our family because this is what we do for a living. It's now a family affair with all of us doing it. So please become an EPP, ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories to help keep this show on the air. Until next time for Harper, I'm Tony. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online. Hope everybody is doing their best right now as we're going through this crazy time in our world. I'm Tony Bruski, host of Real Ghost Stories Online. Wanted to invite you and let you know about our other brand new podcast that we just launched, Help Kill the Time for You. It's called The Dark Side of Wikipedia. It's about true crime and dark history. We dive into some of the strangest, most disturbed minds and experiences from our history and examine their story, their Wikipedia entry, and then discuss the cases, the individuals, and the psychology of the events as we go through each and every story. Some of our first episodes include Ed Gein, the BTK killer, the New London School Explosion, Amityville Murders, Richard Speck, Amelia Dyer, the General Slocum disaster, Jeffrey Dahmer, and more. New episodes every single week. Check out Dark Side of Wikipedia. Search it. Subscribe wherever you download podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. It's available now with new episodes every single week. Dark Side of Wikipedia. Search and subscribe today and stay safe out there.